There has been a lot of talk over the past few months about the safety on the TTC with a number of violent incidents taking place on the transit system, two resulting in death. Some have called 2022 the most violent year on the transit system since 2017. Well, John Burnside was elected in 2002 as city councilor for Ward 16. That's the Don Valley East area. He's also the chair of the TTC and a former police officer and previously represented Ward 26, the Don Valley West area from 2014 to 2018. Thanks for joining me today, John. Thanks for having me, uh, Maggie. Sounds like I can't keep a job, though, with that intro. <laughs> you're just a busy guy. You, have a, you know, you're just a busy guy. Hey, if I told you all the things I have on my plate, you'd probably say the same thing as well. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, we have a lot to discuss with you, John. But first, I want to hear a little bit about you. Um, you know, as I mentioned, you were a cop, but you're all, you were also an entrepreneur as well. So why get into politics? Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for asking. So I was a police officer for 10 years and then wanted to, you know, I had the entrepreneurial bug. And so I left that and started a food company, which I operated for 14 years. Um, one of the things I did as a police officer was work in the Fleming Park neighborhood, which is where I now represent and did in my previous stint as counselor. And there was a real disconnect, in my opinion, between the police and the community. And I also thought there was a lack of opportunity for, for newer Canadians to live that, I'll say, Canadian experience of which hockey was a big, big part of that. And so when I had a modicum of success in my food business, I decided to uh, try to start a free hockey, house league hockey program in Fleming Park where they have an arena. Um, I convinced the police that they needed to be involved, that they needed to run the league and that they needed to meet the community uh, through, I'll say, positive interaction as opposed to normal interaction with the police and the community is, tends to be negative, right? Yeah. When there's a problem, they get called. And I was able to do that and uh, spent a lot of money getting the program off the ground, found a lot of sponsors, but couldn't get ice time. And when the local counselor wouldn't help me, I was so incensed that uh, I eventually got the ice time through other means, but I ran against them. And wow. that sort of was my introduction into politics. And you didn't just run, you won. Well, the first time I lost, and okay. actually my, my track record's only 500, so uh, <laughs> I won't be going into the Hall of Fame anytime soon. But um, <laughs> I lost by 400 votes the first time and then uh, won the second time. And it is a lot more fun winning. Now, I mean, good for you for seeing a problem and saying, how do I, how do I fix it? Not all of us have you know, the chutzpah to be able to do that uh, or the wherewithal to do that. Talk to me a little bit also about your entrepreneurial uh, role there. And and you dabbled in the health food industry. And I, I'm curious about that because, you know, you probably saw the tweet that went viral this week of the $40 chicken breasts uh, in Canada or in, in Loblaws. And, and you know, you talk yeah. about um, just in Canada, the, the price of food, North America, the price of food has gone up so much. Um, it's hard eating healthy. And so I just wonder what it was like running a, you know, a company that was touting healthy eating. Yeah. So thank you. So I started that in 2001. It was a, um, based on a, the zone diet actually, which was all the rage 20 years ago. And it was basically fresh, freshly prepared meals delivered to one's home. And, uh, certainly citywide, I think that was the first uh, program of its kind. And then I switched into, uh, expanded into other areas. 
but even at that time, you're right, healthy, preparing healthy meals, it's expensive. It's yeah. far more expensive than the processed foods. So, uh, but when I got elected, politics, I found, quickly found was my true passion. And then, so I sold that company and, and then the rest is kind of uh, history. So that part of my life is behind me. But the, the one part that stayed with me is that entrepreneurial, you, you, you need the entrepreneurial spirit, but you also need to you, you have to work on a really small budget and be really innovative, even mm-hmm. at the most basic level. And so I think that's helped me uh, when I started my hockey program, for instance, yeah. it's now completely run by uh, the police, of course. Yeah. So as a former police officer, you know, we've heard this past week a lot about the police budget and funding uh, increasing by $48.3 million dollars. Uh, a lot of people have some concerns about this. 200 more um, officers will hit the streets as well. What are your thoughts about the increase in the budget? Well, let me start by saying that I think the police are called uh, upon to do a lot of things they shouldn't be. Uh, one is, you know, a lot of the mental health issues that we're we're seeing, what the you know, have expanded into many, many areas of society. And I think they would agree. Um, but in the meantime, there is there is that need. So, but in terms of just the actual budget, when the the forty eight million or or fifty million or whatever that exact number is, I believe it's it's about if it's about five percent, which is lower than the rate of inflation in the city of Toronto. So this idea that oh we're throwing so much money and we're expanding the police, it's they're just really, I don't even know if they're really keeping up. And if you look at the last I think eight years. The, the rate of increase for the police budget has been less than the rate of inflation, which necessarily means a net decrease, right? So I think that's one of the most important things to keep in mind. But the police, when people think of police, they think of enforcement, they think of negative interactions with communities, but policing is so much more. And if you're, if you call 911 and you have to wait up to 11 minutes on hold and your child is, has fainted, or you've been in a car accident or your father's had a heart attack and you can't get through, I think that's a problem. Mm. And so there's a basic level of service that I don't think is being provided when you call and you wait five hours for, uh, you can actually wait on hold five hours for a non-emergency call. Uh, When you have all the traffic issues and the lack of enforcement, enforcement's gone down by 80% in uh, 10 years. You know, there are some basic policing functions that aren't being met so that's that's the way i look at it and as i say given that it's rate less than the rate of inflation i really have a hard time seeing it as some sort of over-the-top increase yeah so we're looking at now 1.1 billion dollar overall budget for the police some have said and you kind of alluded to it off the top there john that you know sometimes the police are called to things that they shouldn't be called to um, as a city councillor, you know, would you say that Toronto needs to look at policing a little bit more innovatively about, you know, how do we change what police are being called to? Do we share some of the responsibility across the community? We spoke to a sociology professor who studies policing yesterday, and he said, you know, in the initial stages at the height of, you know, talk about um, you know, defunding the police and all of that, there was some sort of conversation about uh, mental health calls, um, 
about looking at policing differently and 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 safety differently. Do, is that something that Toronto needs to be challenged to do? Oh, absolutely. And and as I say, especially when it comes to the mental health uh, end of the uh, the spectrum of policing, I I think the police would even say that they're you know it takes a lot of uh, training and a lot of different skills that they may or may not have. Now, part of this increase of the, the mayor's proposing 12 million is going to the uh, Toronto Community Crisis Service, yeah. which is using mental health a- experts in conjunction or separately from the police. Mm-hmm. But there's still a basic issue. If someone is going through a crisis and has a knife or is acting in a violent way, you still need police. Um, I worked on the, I was actually hired back by the city after I lost the election and was um, in charge of the homeless, uh, well, the encampment office, not the homeless file as, as such, but the encampment office. And there were situations in parks that where uh, social workers would not go in. They felt it was too unsafe. Mm-hmm. So it's fine to say, oh, we just need, we need to do this, but there's also more to this like it's a complex problem and it's usually a lot bigger than than what the uh news reports state but i i just want to add one more thing if i could when i i looked at the the percentage of the the overall budget that goes towards policing in toronto and in 2011 it was 26 percent. now it's just over seven and if you compare that to vancouver it's 21 percent. so even though we can always do better, we can always be more innovative. And I was a big proponent of the transformational task force findings when, in my previous stint at council. I think we're doing pretty good. But, you know, when you have a convoy of truckers coming into the city, uh, all the social programs in the world aren't going to change that level of, you know, aggression. And you do need policing. So there's a certain number of police officers you need, and there's a certain amount of service you need. Where that sweet spot is... That's, I think, where the debate comes in. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to return with more with our guest, City Councillor of Ward 16 and Chair of the TTC, John Burnside. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We're back with John Burnside. He is City Councillor for Ward 16 and Chair of the TTC. Let's talk a little bit about the TTC, John. How did we get to this place where the transit system has become a scary place? String of attacks, violent attacks, including two homicides last year. So, I, I, sadly, this isn't unique to Toronto. I think this is, I, I've, I've said from uh, day one that what happens on the TTC is really a reflection of a larger societal issue. And if you look at any of the, the transit systems throughout North America, whether it's the BART in uh, the, the Bay Area of San Francisco or New York or Boston, they're all, Philadelphia, they're all struggling with the, the, the same issues. Reduced ridership and fewer people uh, you know, when you have more people on, on the system, there's a greater feeling of safety and uh, you want that animation of people. And then you also have a, a huge increase of mental illness, homelessness, all those all those things are, in my opinion, coming together to cause issues on, on the transit system. So how do we solve this problem? I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about myself. I would not even want to step onto the TTC with everything that has happened. I, I can't blame people for saying that they're afraid. Uh, you know, I remember growing up, John, I don't even know if I should say this, but I remember growing up in the city and and being on the subway at 10 years old by myself. There is no way I put my 10-year-old 
on the TTC. And should you put a 10-year-old on TTC? That's a whole other question. But, I mean, it is a, a scary place to be. And if you want ridership to go up, how do we solve this problem? Well, absolutely. I used to, well, I'm a lot older than you, but uh, in my day, absolutely, I was going to Young and Bluer at 10 years old yeah. on the TTC. So so I get it. Well, I think like everything, it, it's it's a multi-faceted uh, approach. And I think the mayor's on the right track, which is we've, um, we're looking to hire or employ more streets to homes workers who are the social workers who make the relationships with the homeless community and people in crisis and everything else and and work with them and get them inside i think a lot of people are on the um, a lot of homeless issues or people in crisis are on the ttc because they have nowhere else to go and that's where the the provincial government really needs to step up with more mental um, mental health uh, funding and we keep saying that, but we don't really see the results of that. They say they understand, but we haven't really seen that. Uh, I think to an extent, there's more policing. And when I say policing, it's not necessarily enforcement, it's presence. I was down in New York for a couple of days uh, just before Christmas. And you know, when you walk in and, the, and there are a couple of police officers there, uh, they were the only one people there that could actually give me direction. So I was thankful for that. But you, you do feel safer or the majority of people feel safer. I'll leave it at that. Uh, so I think that I think a lot of it, as the mayor has pointed out, the statistics, you know, if, if you're a victim of crime, it's her, a horrendous thing. But statistically, the numbers are, are, are pretty good, especially compared to other jurisdictions. But it's that feeling of being unsafe. And that's, you know, society-wide, not just on the TTC. And so how do we increase that feeling of being safe and then actually get the results? So having more uh, security personnel in whatever form, whether it's special constables or police officers, having more outreach workers, I think that would be helpful. And also engaging uh, TTC staff more. You know, we've started to actually, uh, I'll say, track the track the issue, as it were, in terms of keeping better statistics to understand where issues are are they in, always in the same place like it's a big system with kilometers and kilometers of subway and and you know hundreds of kilometers of bus routes uh, we need to look at it and say well is it at the end of line is it at the start of line is it beginning of a station where where are more of the problems and what are the types of problems because not only mental health and then how do we uh, use our limited resources to to improve that and it all i think that starts with data you touched on it, though, John. I mean, it is a fairly large system, smaller than other places like you alluded to New York, but still, you know, a fairly large system for our city. Um, you know, the plan is to hire 50 more special constables. And you did allude to the um, hiring of 10 additional streets to homes, outreach workers. But is that enough for such a fairly large system where, you know, you might move somebody along and tell them that they can't encamp in a subway system or they can't sit on a bus all day, but what stops them from jumping on another bus or moving to another station? Well, absolutely. And there's, you know, there's the short term fix, as you've, as you've mentioned, of moving someone along, but then there's a the longer term fix of how do we get the person the supports they need. And once again, this is not going to be solved by, you know, 50 additional uh, special constables and 10 uh, streets to homes workers. This is a societal issue and we need all the levels of government to to help out. One of the reasons I believe that a lot of people are actually coming onto the TTC, especially at night, is because they don't have shelter. So we need to be able to provide that shelter, but that's not something the city can do on its own. 
And in fact, I would argue that when, when it comes to the shelter, that's a, um, you know, when you have so many people coming from outside of Toronto, we need uh, a national solution for that. Uh, we, we have refugees that, and I, I strongly believe in offering um, refugees an opportunity to live in Canada, but that's not a city issue to provide them shelter. So a lot of our emergency spaces or shelter spaces are taken up by, I think something like 2,200 refugees. Well, that's a federal government. They, they, it's their responsibility. They peg the number of how many refugees and they need to actually fund that. And so if you don't have space for, for a homeless individual, they, they need to find somewhere warm. And, and so we, we need to have the supports in place and there are many of them if we're really going to address this issue in a meaningful way. Your critics have said, you know, the, the board needs to, the TTC board needs to think of more of a comprehensive plan and approach to safety and reliability of the system. Besides, as you know, as we talked about the special constables and the streets to homes, what is there conversation about? And again, you're right. I mean, there are certain jurisdictions that have to own their part of the pie, but as the board, the TTC board, how do you think, you know, comprehensively about how do we get ridership up? How do we solve this problem? What what is in your purview and what can you do to change this? So, yeah, that's a great, great question. So in terms of the comprehensiveness, that's what I was in terms of the safety aspect, that's what I was referring to. It's not going to be solved by the board or, or uh, Rick Leary as, as the CEO. It's, not, it's, it's a far larger problem uh, that needs to be addressed with a lot of par- different partners. But in terms of, sorry, the ridership, you know, there is that whole shift to working from home. But, you know, any research that I've done, I would say the biggest thing is, well, the th- biggest three biggest things, safety, reliability, and uh cleanliness and speed. And those are the things we need to concentrate on. The I know there are a lot of critics about a 10 cent fare increase, yeah. but that's you know not increasing, and we can talk about that if you have the time, but not increasing the fare is not gonna, going to get, or even increasing the fare is gonna have, uh, by 10 cents, is gonna have far less impact in, on ridership than increasing safety or reliability or cleanliness. Do you think, I only have one minute left, John, and I have so many questions, but do you think the fare increase just deters people even more, though, from wanting to go on an unsafe system, uh, you know, every single day, not wondering if they're going to be attacked? Uh, No, I don't. I think if, uh, you know, if I, well, I'll ask you the question, would you be willing to pay 10 cents more for, to go on the TTC if you thought it was safe? I think you, you know, I think the answer is, yeah, I'm happy to pay the extra dime. If I thought it was safe and if I was getting reliable service, yes. But it, but would you go on it now if we say, hey, we're not going to increase the fare, but the safety and the reliability are going to stay the same? Yeah. The answer is no. Right. Right. So, uh, and then in terms of lower income folks, that's where we have the, the, the fare, the fare, fare discount pass to help those people. But we need to, we need to have. TTC is a uh, transit agency. Our job is to move people around safely, reliable, uh, reliably, and and quickly. Yeah, 
and I, I ha we have to go, but I, I think the, the concern there, John, is hiking up the fare and yet still not being reliable and still not being safe. But again, the conversation goes on and you're right. There are so many other uh, areas of government that have to own their part of the pie. And it's such a big issue. But all the best to you in 2023 as you chair this board and try to move uh, the city in the right direction. I really appreciate your time today, John. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Take care. That was John Bernstein. He's a city councillor and TTC chair. Uh, you're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto.